The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to another episode of Climate Matters. I'm Lindsay Wood from the climate strategy company Resilience Limited and Climate Matters is brought to you by Fresh FM, the top of the South Community Access radio station. Fresh FM broadcasts in Blenheim on 88.9, to Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, to the Nelson CBD on 107.2, and across the Nelson-Tasman region on 104.8. It's also streamed to the planet on freshfm.net, and podcasts of Climate Matters and of other locally produced shows are available through freshfm.net and through the accessmedia.nz app. Well, today we're going into Climate Matters 101. I'm actually recording it the day it was issued, but that's nearly a month before you're going to hear that because we've got a few um, election special episodes in between. And so a little bit of this might be rather out of date. I hope not too much. Here's what we're going to cover. We're going to cover crazier than sci-fi, some look at some um, remarkable, uh, almost like sort of can you believe it stuff. Professor Rafe Chapman from Victoria University has done a a great uh, summary of climate policy and the different parties. But, of course, this episode is the the Monday after the election, so we'll know it's all done and dusted, at least in terms of um, debating the policy before the elections. Uh, We also have a, a rather powerful item on El Nino and food security. And then a great news one that is um. And then a great news one that is people power can exceed oil power, reporting on some remarkable situation in Ecuador. We're also reporting strangely on a Tim Flannery film that you won't be able to see for a while. This is a little bit strange. I'll elaborate on it when we get to that. We also will have a uh, hot tip for you in due course. And we also have a, a, a quiz question for you. So, Let's get into the uh, the quiz question. And what is the quiz question? It is, what is SAI, SAI, and what is its relationship with climate? So good luck with that. Basically, here's my little editorial bit, and I'm reporting on being really pretty gobsmacked by two events that were quite different but much the same in a way to show how much we might be at the mercy of just individual people acting on their own initiative without control. The first one was um, Elon Musk choosing to switch off Ukraine's access to Starlink for their military campaign to Crimea and um, the arbitrary power of one man in that situation, possibly manipulated by the Soviet Union. We uh, don't know that for sure, or by Russia, I should say. But the other one, and that's a, this is a climate one, is we're reporting on someone who arbitrarily chose to try and change the atmosphere, and we'll come to that in a moment. So both of these, to me, signal just how far off the rails we have got, rather. So let's get into it from the can-you-believe-it files, crazier than sci-fi. Elon Musk didn't need approval to send Starlink across our skies, nor incredibly to control its military purposes, as I was explaining um, with regard to Ukraine. We do give a link to the Ukraine report, 
Um, but Luke Eisenman didn't need approval either to try to modify global atmosphere with his own geoengineering experiment. You may remember geoengineering is um, processes to try and modify the atmosphere or to store carbon in some way and, and with reduce global warming effect. The, the reporters in Climate Change News and they report that Eisenman had a private group in, based in Mexico that simply launched a balloon with a, a quantity of sulfur dioxide, which was released at high altitude. Sulfur dioxide is evidently an aerosol, um, and, and they use a method called SAI, we see the quiz, for releasing that into the atmosphere. The idea was that it then um, interrupted a little bit of the sun penetration, but the bizarre thing, I mean, they were tiny quantities that Eisenman put up there, but I found it pretty sinister because the possibility is that they could um, do a lot more. And bizarrely, and I found alarmingly, Eisenman's group is offering to sell units of gas by the gram as theoretical cooling credits to offset emissions. This is crazy stuff. Such systems, these are the the geoengineering systems like this are hugely risky, risky. They're hugely unpredictable. They're unproven to a large degree. And leading environmental lawyer Lily Fuhr highlighted that by claiming to offer a quick and easy fix for emissions, i.e. offsets, Eisenman is basically playing right into the hands of the fossil fuel companies because, of course, the implication is, well, you can carry on emitting and you just pay Eisenman to send up a little bit of a sulfur dioxide to compensate for it. That is a total nonsense and needs to be basically thrown out. There will, however, be a link to the articles on that. Here's a quote for a little bit of a change. I've quoted e economics researcher Tim Morgan before. And this one is in a very recent blog of his, Numbers 260. Sustainable growth, he says, would only be possible if technological ingenuity could repeal the laws of physics. So that's Tim Morgan, who is deeply involved in economics research, deeply involved in the relationship between energy and the economy. So, picking up on that for serious voters, and shouldn't we all be serious voters, here's what I wrote about Prof. Rafe Chapman's item at, printed at Carbon News. There'll be a link to it, although, as I said, I'm sorry, this is a little bit of water under the bridge, given that the elections have already happened. Chapman is seriously well-informed, with an extensive pedigree stretching across climate change impacts in transport, in housing, in urban planning, right back to him being a member of New Zealand's Kyoto Protocol negotiating team. So that's a remarkable pedigree. He takes a measured look at party climate politics, explains the folly of narrow settings like ACT's ETS-only uh, policy, and the consequences of a lot of road building and their adverse consequences, which both Labour and National were promoting, plus the need for policies that embrace all sectors. It's not difficult, Chapman laments, to envisage one post-election scenario in which Aotearoa fails to take any real climate action. I wrote, oh, how we must strive to avert that, but at this point, on the Monday after the election, I'm saying, oh, how I hope we avoided that. Carrying on, and if you thought no real climate action might be okay, that's picking up on Rafe Chapman's lament. 
check out Droll UK Science Communicator Dave Borlace on the coming El Nino and more at and the YouTube, which is his uh, podcast, Just Have a Think. And just have a think ourselves on things like the potential impact on global food security. If food becomes scarce, it said Borlase, then all sorts of really very unpleasant consequences start kicking in. Well, no great surprises there. Um, he goes into quite a lot of detail about the relationship between escalating temperature and, and crop failure. Um, it goes on to say that cereals, especially maize, rice, and wheat, are recognized metrics for global food security. And my little comment is what? No dairy. And here we are thinking dairy is all important. Um, but those very crops are vulnerable to very small production changes. So the potential impacts can be very widespread. And Borlase talks about things like civic unrest and forced migration. But also, I have to say a big thumbs up to him for his series. He's got a droll, really easy to listen to way. So I've ended up subscribing, and maybe you'll end up subscribing to what I call an easy-listening, layperson-friendly series. Here's a quote, and it's a quote from a guy called Lindsay Wood in an article he wrote recently, the, uh, the same one that's talking to you right now. When the pain of fuel price exceeds the pain of actually asking someone to share a ride, then maybe we'll have the sort of behavioral game changer we so badly need. And I wrote that in a newsroom article um, that was published oh, a couple of weeks before I'm recording this. So here's the next item. Listen up. People power can exceed oil power. Ecuadorians are showing the way in a historical vote to leave oil in the ground under their Yasuni National Park. And what The Guardian reports, and there'll be a link to that, what they report may be a world first, public pressure, and a decisive vote overcame fierce government resistance, such as refusing to accept a three-quarters of a million strong petition. Significantly, Ecuador is almost unique in the world with a constitution that recognizes the rights of nature. That's wonderful. I say almost unique. In fact, I think the Guardian said that as well. But from our point of view, thanks to Te Ao Māori, New Zealand does too give rights to nature, and, but on, in isolated cases such as, for example, the Whanganui River, which has the, the rights of a person. Let's have more of that sort of recognition here. I mentioned at the beginning a Tim Flannery film and a little bit of an odd situation. So what I had said was, and this was this is hot news, it only sorted in an email about after I'd sent out the Climate Matters this afternoon and I'm recording that this evening. So here's what I said. Tim Flannery film seeks a pathway through this perilous landscape. I expect most of you know Tim Flannery, but in case you don't, he is a remarkable Australian scientist. He's been the Australian of the year. He is hugely knowledgeable. He's written many books, and he's an out-and-out -out champion of getting stuff done on climate. This film called Climate Changes has just been launched, as in I'm recording this on the 19th. It was launched in Australia on the 17th of September, and in it, um, Flannery poses seminal questions that really need to be asked, such as where are the leaders who will drive change and are they strong enough to triumph where others have failed? 
his point there is that in scanning the raft of things at our disposal for tackling climate change, he said the real thing that is missing is real climate leadership. There is a link to a trailer, but uh, what I'm hoping is that the filming will be coming to New Zealand soon because at the time of recording this, it had been launched in Australia. It didn't look like it was being launched anywhere else. And when I wrote Climate Matters, I had contacted the, the film people trying to arrange distribution into New Zealand and trying to arrange screening since since writing Climate Matters. But before recording this, I got a, a, an email back saying, sorry, we won't play ball on that. So I hope it comes through the normal channels. I had hoped to arrange several screenings around the country, but I failed in my attempt, unfortunately. Well, we're closing in on the end here, folks. A couple of things. We've got a hotter tip for a cooler planet. And the hotter tip was look out for Tim Flannery's Climate Changes film and his request for the missing link through climate leaders. So still look out for it. It will be an impressive film, I'm sure, even though I couldn't get the answer I wanted from the film company. And here's the answer to the riddle or the puzzle. What is SAI and what's its connection with climate? SAI is stratospheric aerosol injection. Stratospheric aerosol injection. It's the insertion of material into the upper atmosphere, i.e. the stratosphere, to try to limit solar radiation. It is what the guy Eisenman was trying to do. I think I've got his name right, have I? The broad idea is to try and simulate the effect of volcanic eruptions, which are known to put layers into the upper atmosphere that impede global warming or impede solar radiation. Um, and so there are periods of global cooling after major volcanic eruptions. So that's what stratospheric aerosol injection is, and that's obviously why it's relevant to climate. Okay, we're finishing now. I thank you for your company. I'm sorry I've got a little bit of a croaky throat. I hope I enjoy your company next week. And in the meantime, kia kaha for the climate. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM with support from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.